Hello, Stargazers. Welcome to 7th House Astrology, where I take any topic that is astrological or a topic related to relationships and romance. I investigate it under the lens of Sinistry Astrology, otherwise known as Love or Relationship Astrology. I am your host, Sandra Misek, and I'm so glad that you guys have joined me for today. I kind of figured since this year is an election year uh, with the general presidential election coming up that we would actually cover politics or have like a little bit of a segment on politics, you know, the astrology thereof, and also how that actually affects relationships and may or may not surprise you on this one. But uh, before I even begin, the one thing that I do want to start off with is actually, um, so according to Chris Brennan, you know, um, many presidents actually get elected during a solar eclipse. I think uh, he had mentioned that Barack Obama was at his inauguration um, back in 2008 to 2009. Actually, it's more like 2009, sorry. Um, but apparently there was a solar eclipse um, at that time during his inauguration. Um, you know, his, you know, his inauguration to presidency. Also, uh, also more notably, there was, um, President Donald J. Trump was also, um, elected close to an eclipse. He was actually, both persons also, interestingly, were both born during an eclipse or close to an eclipse. Um, but, uh, with Donald Trump, there was the solar eclipse of 2017. Um, most notably, we know him as not wearing glasses and looking straight up at the sun. Um, but that was also notable. But, um, one thing that Chris Brennan, I think also mentioned when it comes to eclipse babies is that while major things can happen for those individuals, even those who are not eclipse babies, um, while, while a lot of great things can happen for those individuals, there can also be a lot of detrimental things that could happen to these individuals, such as what would ha what happened with Constantine, uh, what had happened with, I think it was the last emperor of Japan uh, during World War II. He was actually born during an eclipse and actually it was during another, another eclipse that he um, most famously uh, became known for saying that he lost his immortality. Uh, during peace talks, uh, you know, or I think it was like during, uh, you know, specific peace talks and also I think with, uh, you know, Geneva talks as well too. And, um, you know, like I said, it seems like that a lot of individuals who are born under eclipses have a lot of great things to offer, but yet they have like the greatest downfalls as well too. So I think that's important to note. But I also just thought it was important to note because um, since Chris Brennan mentioned that a lot of um, presidents are either elected into office or inaugurated during either a lunar or solar eclipse or kind of in between the two, I thought I would actually, since we're coming up to a full solar eclipse in April of this year, I thought I'd take a look at each individual candidate's chart and see where that eclipse actually falls um, within each candidate's chart and what that could mean precisely. Now, I want to just back up a little bit um, when it, b before I begin with this. Um, Stargazers, this is not an absolutist viewpoint. Um, you know, these are just predictions, what I'm seeing in each individual's chart. 
So this is not, you know, by the book. Um, the Anything and everything could happen. But I'm just kind of alluding to common themes that can happen with each presidential candidate when it comes to their chart. The first candidate, I actually covered three. Um, you know, technically uh, in the GOP, there was technically, uh, you know, so like if we include Joe Biden, current President Joe Biden, with the three um, GOP candidates, Ron DeSantis, Nikki Haley, and Donald Trump, um, we would have had technically four charts, but I really kind of wanted to focus a little bit on Nikki Haley a little bit because my spidey senses are telling me we're not going to be seeing the end of her, um, no matter, like I said, even if the um, the primaries are not uh, working to her favor. I get the feeling, um, well, we'll go ahead and start off with this, with being an Aquarius her son being an Aquarius, I would not be surprised if she not only, um, if she might pull like a Bernie Sanders from 2016, and even though she is not elected as the general presidential candidate, that if she might run on her own independently and not back down. The other thing that I'm kind of wondering is that she might actually start to pave new directions being an Aquarian. And also knowing that, it, you know, in the sign of the eclipse, so the eclipse will be in Aries this next year. So she has actually um, Mars in Aries um, in its natural placement. And to have Mars in Aries kind of means that she's got gusto. You know, nothing's going to, you know, cause her to back down. Nothing's going to cause her to turn around. Nothing's going to cause her to step down at all. Um, I get the feeling she's going to use that momentum to maybe recreate the GOP. Um, as many, you know, with Aquarians, I usually see the energy of recreating um, kind of um, really revamping um, and renovating what is normally existent right now and revamping and renovating it to something bigger, something new, something better. And I kind of feel that's kind of the same thing with uh, the GOP that she might like try to make the GOP maybe a little more humanitarian than what it is right now. She might have different policies that might be a little more humanitarian than what's going on right now with the GOP. You know, even though she is pro-abortion, which I'm not always very thrilled with, um, I think there are other issues that she might um, start to, you know, scratch at the surface. And I, I would not be surprised if she's maybe like with Liz Cheney, where despite staunch conservative views, that she tries to do something for the better of her country. And also with uh, Mars being in Aries, I would not be surprised if she actually starts to say things like, I want to change the country as to how I want to see it. And I want to change this party that I'm in as to how I want to see it. There might be some egocentric sort of rhetoric that might be coming from her um, in upcoming months. But with the eclipse happening outside of Aries in um, April, and you'll have to forgive me, stargazers, for some reason, I can't really necessarily talk. But um, with uh, the eclipse occurring in Aries, Nikki Haley's chart, the chart that I consulted is actually general chart. So 
mainly Aries is in her first house, but I mean the fact that the eclipse will be happening in that same house that her Mars placement will be in, I'm kind of seeing that the eclipse, the effect of the eclipse, so the eclipse being in the first house is a sign of success when it comes to a presidential election. You know, with eclipses, you want to see whether they're hitting outside the first house, first, seventh axis, or in the fourth, tenth axis. Um, particularly, it's really good if somebody has their eclipse like right outside their 10th house. That's like, um, you know, again, really charging um, and really like bolstering energy up in the house of career. And for presidential candidates, that's usually what kind of gets them in. Um, I think with Barack Obama that, you know, during his inauguration, the eclipse happened outside his 10th house. President Donald Trump, same thing with the eclipse in 2017. It was in his 10th house. Um, you know, they both had a 10th house eclipse occurrence. But I think with Nikki Haley, the fact that, you know, in this general chart that Aries is in her first house and also Mars is really close to that position, not conjunct, but kind of close um, to where the eclipse will be. I get the feeling she's going to be a little bit more supercharged this year than if um, the eclipse were to happen in another sign. And I would just say, don't completely write her off yet. I, Like I said, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I don't think this is going to be the last that we're going to hear from Nikki Haley. I get the feeling she's going to be sticking around, and I think she's going to be using that Mars oomph and that oomph from the um, the solar eclipse to do bigger and better things. And I think that's going to start off with the presidential election. And I don't think she's going to back down just because Donald Trump is in favor. I think she's going to, she's going to stick it out. She, I, I, I would say don't, don't ignore her just yet. And I, I kind of have like some good feelings around her with my spidey senses. Of course, my spidey senses could be off. They have been off before. But I kind of get the feeling she it's, she's along the lines of Liz Cheney, where I think she might do something good for a change as opposed to something horrendous for a change. But as I've said, again, this is a general sort of forecast. I could be way wrong as well. The second candidate, I thought I'd kind of sandwich in between because we have two Republican candidates and then we have the one, obviously the one Democratic candidate which is usually how presidential elections work. Um, if a Republican's in-house, it's usually one Republican with two Democratic candidates and so on and so forth. But with Joe Biden, um, his actually where the eclipse hits, so his chart's really interesting. Um, he's got a lot of, you know, um, his son's like in the borderline area between between um uh, Scorpio and Sagittarius, right um, on the t in the twelfth house on his ascendant, along with Venus and Mercury. So kind of interesting there. His um, you know ascendant is also in Sagittarius, so definitely can have that fun, um, very philosophical streak at, as well as an adventurous sort of streak. So I wouldn't be surprised if he takes this presidential election as you know, a good time to point out different logical points of view, different points of view um, as a president. And also what I really encourage him to do is really highlight like what really worked for you this year and really explain because 
a lot of people see the, the bad when it comes to politics. They don't necessarily see the good. And so they'll see the recession, but they won't necessarily see that jobs still stayed at a steady rate. They didn't drop. Um, actually, we did. We were kind of in threats to go into a recession, but that dropped. You know, there were some um, things in play, both with Joe Biden as well as with Congress, that really kind of caused the recession to not happen, which was which was good, um, actually. So, I mean, th- points like as such as that um, really need to be highlighted, underlined. And I really think that um, with Joe Biden, he really he I think he really needs to start um like kind of repeating that to the masses a little bit, because like I said, everybody's focusing on the the negative, which that's the, the nature of politics, unfortunately. But when it comes down to the solar eclipse, that's going to be hitting. Um, so an Aries uh, for him is outside his fourth house. Now, the good news about the fourth house is that the fourth house is also an axis with the 10th house. You know, fourth and tenth houses are connected because they're opposite each other on the on the astrological wheel. So if you have an eclipse in the fourth house, it'll also affect the tenth house. So with Joe Biden, I really do see a chance. He has a good winning streak or good winning chance. I'm holding out hope um, on that one. I'm also holding out hope for Nikki Haley and hoping that I'm I'm right about her too. But um What's kind of interesting is that it will be, um, you know, depending on the sun's position, uh, Neptune is actually in opposition in uh, Libra. So one thing that I might see within his campaign and what we might be inclined to seeing with his campaign is something that's dreamy, um, that's kind of Neptunian and dreamy, you know, whether it's increased compassion whether it's fulfilling the American dream, whether it's fulfilling a dream, like, you know, here's my dream of America and here's how I want to make it right. Um, I think those themes are going to be playing a key crucial role and that um, eclipse is going to be supercharging that. Um, the eclipse to, you know, sun opposite um, Neptune can cause like two idealistic or two idyllic themes. So maybe um, what I'd recommend to Joe Biden ground these dreamy, these dream themes that might be coming out in his campaign, you know, his campaign for reelection um, as well, too. And I can't help but notice that actually his moon's zero degrees Taurus um, zero degrees, like I've mentioned, uh, can be, you know, you, you still, that planet, while it's technically in a sign, so while his moon is still technically in Taurus, it still has a view of Aries. So I wouldn't be surprised if the solar eclipse also um, kind of hits on emotional themes um, for him and very soul um, depth sort of themes for him in this election. Um, I'm thinking um, his son, you know, who are basically his sons and some of the I think his uh, one of his sons is involved in a conspiracy plot right now or kind of involved. 
um, in, you know, he should be arrested for embezzling funds. Um, I, I mean, there's that whole um, Pandora's box and can of worms there. Um, but then also, I think what will really hit home during this election is his um, other son who was killed while serving, um, while serving in the military. So I think um, those things will help to strengthen his campaign a little bit. Um, also, fourth house themes, too. I would not be surprised if he's going to be a little bit closer to home. Um, you know, like home matters and his family, you know, having his family around him, having his wife near him, um, having matters of home close to him as well will also be important. That's why I was kind of like, ah, uh, fourth house, how's this going to work? I think the fact that it has that 10th house access, it'll open up some possibilities, um, for Joe Biden. But I think, um, in all honesty, a lot of fourth house themes are also going to be playing pretty crucial, um, you know, like such as, you know, st you know, being around family and being close to home um, at this time. So I think that that's that's kind of interesting and it'll be interesting to see how this plays out, how this uh, how the election plays out thus far, um, you know, and how things if these um, astrological predictions will um, come true or if some of the themes of these predictions will be showing up. Now, last but, of course, not least, the most controversial figure um, in this election and one of the most controversial figures, I would say, in American history, Donald J. Trump um, and his chart. So what I have seen, um, basically, Sun and Gemini, um, you know, ascendant in Leo and moon in, uh, Sagittarius. I do see the double fire, um, element in his chart. I always have seen this and it's not surprising to me that also his Mars position is right on his ascendant. And also um, trined his moon. Now, this is not necessarily the greatest trine, I have to say. Um, first off, that Mars position in Leo, I can kind of see that he actually acts more like a ill-aligned Leo than he does a Gemini. Because Geminis, in my view, um, usually try to take at least a little bit of logic into their campaigns. You know, if, if a, a Gemini is going to run for president, they at least have some, you know, logic. And especially um, a Gemini who has, you know, even though his sun is opposition to um, his moon, I would think that both with Sagittarius and Gemini, they both are very logically oriented signs and really practically minded signs. As, oh, I don't want to say practically minded, but, you know, kind of like wisdom oriented sort of signs. So I'd say I would see like a little more facts coming into play. But the biggest thing that I see is that Leo side coming into play where with Donald Trump, he really um, thrives off of drama. He thrives off of having attention. And I've said this once before, and I'll say it again to those who hate him. And, you know, quite frankly, I don't blame you for hating him, knowing his rhetoric um, and that kind of makes me, that actually is kind of interesting that he has such inflammatory rhetoric, knowing that 
um, Mercury is actually in Cancer. Um, so it's basically very emotionally fueled. There's no fact to it. Um, it's unfortunately the shadow side of Cancer um, at this point. But, you know, um, one thing that I've said, it's like if you want to kill the beast, you know, that's, that's coming out of the box. Um, start, like, not paying attention to him. You know, I think it's a huge mistake that news organizations have been covering him nonstop. I think that it's a huge mistake that there have been individuals who responded to him while he was president, while he was tweeting on what used to be Twitter. Now it's X. Um, I think that if you really want to kill the beast, stop paying attention to him um, because that's what's fueling him. That's what's feeding him. Um, that sort of energy. And especially to have Mars right at Leo like it is, it's really flaming a lot. You know, and I, I, I'm sorry, like Mars in a fire sign, even in Aries, it's like giving him a lot of gusto and causing him to ignite flames, but sometimes without thinking about it. I think, um, you know, those who have Mars and Aries at least kind of think about their direction of where they want to aim the flame of the fiery planet. I feel like with um, Donald Trump, especially with um, being in Leo, he's like misfiring um, is how I, I see this in his chart. And especially to have his moon in Sagittarius on top, that that's like fire on fire um, where there's lots of impulse. And I, I think too, to have this, you know, um, moon and Mars, um, sort of relationship. There's a lot of impulse and a lot of like, you know, adding flame to already what's a massive bonfire. And I just think that that's a disaster in my view. Um, I really think that, you know, he could really do very well to just like step back um, maybe, you know, work on logic, <laughs> work on the, um, the Geminian and the Sagittarian sides and uniting those two sides in his chart and really work on, um, not getting so emotional and speaking from just emotions and emotions only because that's also getting him into trouble. Um, it's something that, that is getting him into way trouble, especially if we're going to consider current Saturn position. Um, it's going to still get him into way lots of, oh wait, sorry, never mind. Um, sorry, current Saturn positions outside of Pisces, not outside of Cancer. Uh, I was just kind of mixing up my water signs there, but um, no, but I, I really think that, um, you know, that Mercury placement in Cancer is going to get him into a lot of trouble because like I said, not thinking. Um, just feeling and emoting and speaking from where he's emoting. And it's causing him to sound like a, a little child, unfortunately. I really think that he is going to be taken a lot less seriously if he doesn't start backing up with logic and facts, in my view. But um, when it comes to the eclipse... What's interesting about his chart is that the eclipse in Aries is going to be centered around his eighth house. Now, I have had some experience this last year with the eighth house. Um, I don't technically have planets in there, um, thank goodness, or I would really experience everything that much more. And Donald Trump does not have planets in his eighth house, but still I think this eclipse is something that he needs to start paying attention to. 
The biggest reason for why I say this with the eighth house is the eighth house not only is ruled by Scorpio, but it rules death. It rules inheritance. It rules obsession. It rules everything. Like there's transformation, sure. But, uh, you know, I think let's take our key themes here. Death, inheritance. So I think with Donald Trump, the, the, fe- the figure of death. Well, let me back up and um, kind of mention my experience. I currently have uh, both Saturn and Neptune stationed and sitting pretty outside my eighth house, um, especially with Saturn being stationed. I didn't really see the, um, the energy coming up. Um, for the eighth house. And I kind of thought, well, maybe Saturn's being mellow this year because it's in retrograde. And, you know, and I thought the same with Neptune, just in a mellow placement outside of Pisces. And then my dad died. And I kind of indicated in my episode on death and grief that sometimes um, those transits are not necessarily just about you they can also be about those around you and, you know, definitely keep an eye out. Um, if I had known, I would have really done what I could with my dad. Um, but I do have to say that that element of there was literal death, but also the figurative theme of death, that extreme change is still ever present in my life. Um, I'm still, I still feel like I'm still learning loads of lessons from my grief over my dad, um, over the fact that he is no longer here. Um, and there's, there's some hard lessons in there. Um, but that to me is what the eighth house represents with Donald Trump. I also, um, had, I forgot to mention that the eighth house can also rule debts as well as inheritance with Donald Trump. There's a lot of stuff in the media that's brewing around him. A lot of legal issues, such as whether or not he actually started the insurrection of January 6th, 2021. Um, So he is amidst a legal battle right now. And apparently um, in New York, some of his businesses have crumbled to dust. They're no longer allowed to exist. And I think they've been... um, I think the wrecking ball, if I'm, if I'm remembering correctly, I think the wrecking ball hit them. So what I would say, you know, especially the solar eclipse hitting outside of a house of death, debts, loss. I think it would be wise if Mr. Trump backs out of the presidential race. If he decides to not take this heed It's going to catch up with him, whether he likes it or not. And it's not going to be pretty. I can tell you this much with the eighth house. It's not pretty when you have a major transit, such as a a solar eclipse hit outside there. So I think it would be best if he, you know, changes his mind and sits out on the sidelines and maybe let somebody like Nikki Haley run instead. Because, um... What he's going to go through legally, what he's going to go through business-wise, what he's just going to go through, period. It's going to be grim. 
it's going to be nasty. And like with Pluto, like the Pluto influence, it's going to happen to you whether you ask for it or not. You know, I'm sure he's probably like, well, I can handle this. I, and, you know, kind of all full of bravado and gusto, bravado and gusto. I'm sorry. I, I have, I, I kind of see danger around him when it comes to this solar eclipse. And, um, this is the most faulted, you know, the fourth and eighth house, actually, sorry, the second and eighth axis are not, a, you know, like I said, when it comes to presidential election, not a very good position to have an eclipse and not a great position when you're trying to run for president. Um, it's, if anything, it's going to be the death of your campaign. So these are just the general astrological predictions that I have for each chart. Uh, hopefully, like I said, they come in handy for you or they come very informative. And like I said, not an absolute thing. Um, these are just patterns that I'm seeing right now. Um, hopefully the good comes true or hopefully, you know, some of these themes, it's going to be interesting if some of these themes actually come out during this election. So kind of, um, with this start here, um, really kind of getting into how relationships are affected by politics. So not surprisingly, um, on a Sunday morning segment, I believe it was on the Sunday morning segment of A Nation Divided, and it was actually a question mark, and basically the whole show of Sunday morning was devoted to whether or not we are divided. And we are. We are divided by, at the conclusion was, yeah, we are so divided by red, by blue, sometimes by red, by purple, or sometimes by blue and by purple. I'd seen this um, in 2012 when I worked at Denver Elections. Um, I, there were a lot of guys who especially um, were unaffiliated and who thought it was great to lecture me in the same way that um, other people were lecturing me about what should go, what should fly. And, you know, they were like greenhouse or green, uh, not greenhouse, excuse me, sorry, green party candidates. Um, but I mean, again, there was a lot of um, a division even in just 2012 and we had very sane candidates in 2012. So candidates who had their heads about them and their wits about them. So, um, you know, I think it, it is true to say that, yeah, we are a nation divided. But in that segment, there was um, one particular story where there was a guy who stopped communicating with his brother because simply he was a Democrat, his brother was a Republican. And they could not see eye to eye. They had to estrange themselves from one another. Unfortunately, in political years, we see a lot of rift, um, especially amongst bipartisan family members or bipartisan couples. So um, I'd like to devote the rest of this episode to a couple of strategies um, some things that actually I am practicing, um, what I have come up to, um, because I just feel like it's important and also it's good to practice what you preach. And I'm actually finding um, some of these um, ideas are actually quite helpful. So because um, especially amongst bipartisan relationships, it's either a situation where the relationship takes a turn where it's like my, um, you know, two family members that I have 
the wife was a Democrat for a while, the husband was Republican, she felt she had to become Republican in order to make amends with her husband. So it's either there's a major sacrifice that has to be involved, or it's just major fights and riffing apart, really. Um, a lot of people always, you know, a lot of guys especially always just say, oh, well, let's just see if we can discuss politics civilly and that will that'll determine our relationship. Um, guys, that is a bad idea because every, yo, know, sex, religion, and politics are the three things you should avoid for a good reason. Everybody has a strong opinion, no matter what, and you can't change them or make them change their opinion without major resentment following, um, in that relationship. But also, I mean, in families too, you see major rifts. Um, there are times with my, with family gatherings for me, I have to keep my mouth shut and I've been very good at like staying moderate myself. I'm actually kind of quite moderate. Um, but I've had to diffuse a lot of what could have been potential inflammatory and explosive arguments, especially since my mom is on one part of the political aisle and my relatives are on the other side of the political aisle. So, and it, like I said, when I say other sides, I mean like extreme sides on either side. So, um, like I said, I've had to diffuse a number of bait tactics, especially from my cousin's wife and also from other, you know, others who are just that gung-ho political in order to avoid explosions, you know, in order to, to make sure the house didn't, you know, explode off and the, the whole house didn't explode and turn into shreds. But uh, one um, potential, you know, kind of fix when it comes to relationships that are bipartisan or just in this year in general, when it comes to just relationships all the way around. Because everybody has such differences of opinions, I would say if you are politically active, good for you. That's really wonderful. But get out there and vote. I see this a lot with those who are extreme politicos where they have these really, really hardcore, passionate views and passionate ideas, but they're not getting out to the ballot box. I feel that the best way to express yourself and the best way to really um, keep democracy going is to actually fill out your ballot, get your butt to the ballot box, and cast your ballot. The heavens agree with me. No, just kidding. That was actually an alarm on my phone. But, uh, you know, definitely, um, you know, vote if you feel so strongly about A, B, C, and D. You know, get that's the best way to express your opinion. Um, it's the best way to, you know, express how much you hate somebody um, is to vote against them. You know, I, I think that that's one of our basic rights that I think really... Um, should be kept and should be maintained. It's like, get out there and vote um, come election day. The other thing that I recommend when it comes to, and, you know, with relationships, I would say, you know, if one per, if both people feel strongly, make it, make the election day and a date, 
you know, seriously, you know, make it a date that you both cast your votes together or you both kind of make a date and you both get out there and cast your votes together. Um, whatever you decide to vote on, um, that's your business. That's your business only. And, you know, just get out there and vote. I think that that's a really a good, good way to go. But speaking, you know, so aside from making date night or making um, election night a date night, I also think that, um, you know, when it comes to the astrology of politics, the common themes that I see is a lot of transitory um, planets outside the third and ninth house axis. So third and ninth houses. Um, I say this because third and ninth houses are all about um, not only learning higher knowledge, but also speaking your mind. And then I also see Pluto and Mars being involved in this. Mars, um, you know, being that instigator, it, you know, the action to go out to vote and to become impassioned and to get moving. I think Pluto in the regard that you, t you actually put your power into someone else. You take your power and you're putting it into someone else. I also feel like Neptune is involved in this in the regard that it's that fantasy that we all kind of have at one point or another in a presidential election of falsely thinking that giving that power to somebody else is a good thing. It's like this person is kind of like our, um, what is the word? It is our avatar, you know, to kind of instigate change. And I actually say because this is Pluto and this is... Um, Neptune at play here and kind of the smoke and mirror side of Neptune at play, I really say take your power back. Um, I've been doing this actually just lately. Um, take whichever issues are on the presidential debates and, um, you know, that seem to matter to you, whether it's about the border, whether it's about climate change, whether it's about abortions whether it is about the economy, um, whichever sort of point you're most vehement and passionate about, um, go and find ways to be more active in those issues. For me personally, it's been about climate change. And what I've been doing personally is actually finding ways in which I, as an everyday Jane Doe, everyday person, can actually, what I can do to help reduce greenhouse gases that are contributing to our ozone layer and what else other green things I can do to kind of keep our landfills a little bit lowered than usual, if not completely clean. And, you know, just in ways to kind of, you know, have some hacks to kind of save the, the planet. And, uh, you know, the things, the little things I've been doing I mean, little things such as, you know, if you're not in a room, shut the lights off or shut all your appliances off. Um, they're very small and they're very hard to do is what I've been noticing. But when I'm able to do them, they're very rewarding. I've also started a compost pile outside um, my bedroom window. And actually what was formerly my dad's garden. And um, obviously it will need to be tilled. A little bit, you know, the, the soil is going to need to be moved to cover everything that I'm composting, especially all the chicken scrap or not the chicken scraps, excuse me, the kitchen scraps. Ah, say that 10 times fast. 
but especially with kitchen scraps and um, with bits of paper, you know, in order to get the earthworms to kind of eat those guys and get, you know, move the soil a bit. And that's also been kind of a challenge knowing that the soil is still a little bit frozen this time of the year, but it's a challenge I'm, I'm ready to meet. I, I would love to meet it. But it's these little things that help me to feel more empowered and help me to feel as though I'm a little more active than just sitting on the sidelines and hoping my guy or my girl or, you know, the candidate that I envision wins or the candidates that I envision run. You know, I just I feel like that's a setup for failure and that's a setup for Ajita. Um, which I think is really pretty predominant. So I encourage, it's like, get involved with the issues that you're most vehement about. Um, and I mean, it's like one or two issues. Don't, you know, you don't have to do all issues and get involved in them. I'd say pick one or two that are the most, um, you know, the most passionate for you about and look up, you know, there's lots of tips on the internet that are really um, quite wonderful. Um, but look up like, how can I reduce greenhouse gases or how can I um, contribute to the, you know, anti-feminist rhetoric or the racist rhetoric? You know, what can I do to combat that or what can I do to improve the economy with my everyday decisions? Um, you know, the more that you can accomplish these big old ideas into your everyday, you're putting the power back into your hands I think as well, too, I'm a lot calmer when it comes to political discussions because I'm getting involved. I'm already involved and I already feel like, hey, I'm contributing to whatever's an issue. And that way uh, as well, too, what I also see with presidential candidates is that they always don't get to their major points because they're busy with other stuff. Um, so it's like, I'm actually contributing to what I want to see, the change that I want to see in my world. So, um, I recommend that. And I think with relationships as well, especially if somebody's really vehement about something, um, I think it's a good way to kind of get that passion out into something constructive. Now I'm going to say constructive, you know, when you get involved, get involved in constructive matters. Do not get involved with storming the Capitol and killing people and destroying national monuments and all this other stuff. Um, I'm talking about, you know, maybe getting more involved with, you know, the economy and how to build it back up, how to help build it up for your future as well as for everyone else's future. Um, you know, how to do constructive things with your world to help build yourself up as well as those around you. I think, again, not only do you take your power back, but you also, you're a little more calmer and able to participate in the relationship. I also find that the more that you get involved, the more you're researching, and so the more informed your discussions are if you do get involved in political discussions because you're hands-on with it. And then as if that's not enough, too, it's it's a little more constructive because um, you could use your involvement as, you know, hey, I'm doing A, B, C, and D for the economy, but what are your ideas? Or, hey, I'm doing A, B, C, and D to help the environment, but what are your ideas? You know, to be more green and leave a green footprint, but what are your ideas? And that way, I mean, you can start to 
take a rift and maybe try to make a conversation out of it. I also think too, um, if you're that, if you're really passionate, get involved with a party or get involved with your party um, and actually volunteering with that particular party. Again, you're taking your passion and you're making constructive change and making constructive action with that. Um, what I do say when it comes to a relationship is just make sure that, especially if you're in a bipartisan relationship, don't come home and patronize. Come home, you know, like kind of see like you can get the political agita and all the stuff out and then you can come home and interact with your partner. Interacting with your partner is not patronizing. It's far more just, gee, how was your day? Here's what I found out. And, you know, but however, how do you feel about this? And maybe just getting into more constructive conversations. I would also say to try to remain as open-minded as you can during this time. I know that that's super, super hard. Um, I would say taking in some Venus energy and um, also some uh, Jupiter energy too and being as expansively minded and as open-minded as you possibly can. And maybe, you know, even if you don't agree with somebody or even if you think that somebody is a major idiot for believing in A, B, C, or D or they're just misinformed because of A, B, C, and D, I would just say, you know, be still be open to them nonetheless. There is a side to the both to both of you that is very human and to recognize that human side I think helps to unite us. You know, the fact that yes, we do have passions even though they might be way different the fact that we still have passion, the fact that we still um, believe in something, you know, whatever it is that we're, we're trying to believe in at this time, and the fact that we believe in something and the fact that, you know, we're still breathing, that we're still flesh and blood and that we we're still made of a lot of the same stuff as one another, I think is a good way to bond and um, to really kind of survive um, this particular election year, <laughs> um, which is tricky. It's a little easier said than done. So with that in mind, Stargazers, you know, between now and November, I just urge you guys to be safe, to be constructive, to be as open-minded as you possibly can be, um, especially with relatives. Please, let's stop the ostracizing um, of one another. And, I mean, you hurt yourself as well as you hurt your family. And, you know, you may not have very many people in your life, but your family is something that you should have. Um, also, too, I just feel relationships are something that we should all have. And to run that to the ground because of political ideals is kind of, you know, it's not a... It's not a good sight. It's not a good thing to see. But I, I do hope that this election year is a safe one for you. And I do hope that it's, you know, these ideas help you um, all the way around. I also hope the predictions came in handy. Um, just like I said, again, it's where the solar eclipse is hitting. And that usually indicates who's going to become president or usually indicates a, net, a future president. But above all, stargazers, along with this election season, um, just for now, um, definitely feel free to look up at the stars. We have a waning moon going on in the sky. 
they'll help to highlight the 12 constellations that astrology is based off of in the sky. But I think also just the whole sight of the night sky is a great pause all the way around, especially with, I feel like with Uranus retrograde, it's been causing a lot of mischief lately. You know, like things falling and accidents almost happening. So it kind of gives us a little bit of a pause and a little bit of a breather on that one. But above all, Stargazers, I do hope that you are safe and that you are well. And between now and next week, I will talk with you then. If you do need to get in touch with me, Sandra Misek, you can easily do so at either Misek, M-I-S-E-K, dot Sandra at gmail.com. You can also contact me at my Instagram page at Sandra dot Again, that is M-I-S-E-K. Also, for as little as $2 a month, you can become a Patreon to this podcast. Please visit patreon.com forward slash 7th House Astrology for more details.